Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm so glad that you have tuned in to join us on this most excellent day. Um, Friday, we celebrated Good Friday. I hope you were able to connect with us and share in communion. Uh, Such an important uh, part of our Christian faith to be able to break bread together and um, Today we're continuing uh, in part four of our series, What's in a Name? And the title of today's message is simply Resurrection. Of course, if you've been in the church long, you already know that this being Resurrection Sunday, this was probably the obvious message title to go with today. But, um, you know, I want you to know this. With all my heart, I believe, with all my intellect, I know that there is absolutely resurrection power in the name of Jesus. And so as you hear these words today, I just want to pray for you. Father in heaven, I pray that you would bring a revelation to every heart, to every mind who hears from your word this morning, God, that it would burn within us as we get to know you closer through the power and through the person of your Holy Spirit today. I pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're going to pick up the story of a good friend of Jesus whose name was Lazarus. And, well, Lazarus was dead. Jesus was also friends with some of Lazarus's family, and they were sad. They had sent word to Jesus that Lazarus was very sick and that he should come right away. They were hoping that Jesus would come and heal Lazarus, but um, it's funny because the book of John chapter 11 tells this story, and Jesus, upon hearing that Lazarus had died, waited a couple more days before he went. And, you know, I mean, when we're not driving our Volkswagens or our Duramaxes to places in Bible times, it takes some time to walk from town to town. And so Jesus gets there a few days late. Lazarus, in fact, has already been in the tomb for four days. John chapter 11, verse 17, we're going to pick it up. It says, Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. I think the important part of this story for us to hold on to right now today is that Jesus is the one who makes the claim to be resurrection and life. There are many theories and conspiracies that have circulated to disprove the life of Jesus, even to the point of denying the historical reality of his being here on earth. I think that a lot of people can make a lot of claims of religious leaders in history, but Jesus Christ is the only one who said he would resurrect himself. Jesus Christ is the only one who actually did it. Jesus Christ is the only one who said he could come and pay the price for all of our sin. So he is unique among any figure that has come before, or I believe will ever come again, until he returns. Jesus is the one who makes the claim, I am the resurrection and the life. And those are very, very powerful words, and that's a powerful claim to make. Jesus, if you know the rest of the story, actually does go on to raise Lazarus from the dead. And you should read it, it's a great story in the Bible, it'll build your faith. 
But I don't know if you ever thought about this reality, and that is that Lazarus, some time later, died again. And it's interesting to me that we focus so much on what God can do for us in the here and now. Even last week as we talked about healing, we really are faced with the issues and the complexities of our here and now. And God does care about those. But the whole of Scripture is a love letter from God reminding us that one day there is a life to come and that it is worth living this life in a way that will fit that life. And, and the only way to do that, as I've told you before, is to accept Jesus, to know Jesus, to become the friend of Jesus, because in him is resurrection life. Between Lazarus and the crucifixion, not a whole lot of time passes. Maybe a few months is probably all it was. And from the miracle of Lazarus to what we would call the greatest miracle that ever happened... There were journeys and there was a process of time and Jesus ministered and he did the things that he did while he walked the earth. But we come to that place where, where Jesus dies on the cross like a criminal for our sin, for my sin, for the things I would do wrong nearly 2,000 years after he died for me and you and all those who had come before he had to die on the cross like a criminal for our sin because we did not have the ability, the power, the know-how to make it right with God, to restore what separated us from God. And so Jesus, an obedient and a humble servant, the Bible says, took our sin upon him, took the beating that we had coming, paid the price for our sin, and died on that cross. But it didn't end there. The story didn't end there at all. In fact, the story simply goes on. Three days later, Jesus came back. And I often think if we had a music or a song that would play or a rap comes to mind uh, when Jesus kind of shows up after the tomb, it'd be, guess who's back? Guess who's back? JC's back. JC's back. JC's back. JC's. I'm a white ranching cowboy, not a rapper. But I think that's the song we should play. Guess who's back? Jesus is back. In the miracle of the death and resurrection of Jesus, God who became man so our debt could be paid in taking our place, in the moment that he left his physical body, Jesus said something very, very powerful. In the moment that he was dying, in the moment he was giving up his life, he said, it is finished. Well, what was finished? Well, the payment for our sin was finished. He had endured the cross in obedience to the Heavenly Father, and now it was done. Jesus experienced an awful lot. He experienced his Heavenly Father, who he was begotten of, turning his back on him so that God would never have to turn his back on us again. In the words, it was finished, Jesus made that payment. But that wasn't the end. They put him in a tomb. They wrapped his body. They anointed his body. All of these things prophesied in the Old Testament. And then just like he said he would, Jesus walked back out of that tomb three days later. And really, that's actually the beginning of the resurrection story for all of us. 
We celebrate this Sunday as the Christian faith across the world, as the most wonderful time. And I know that Christmas is important as we celebrate the coming of the Savior. But, it, but at this time, at resurrection time, we are celebrating the resurrection, the absolute demonstration of Jesus Christ's power over sin and death. It would be so simple for you, I know, if we could just accept all of this without question. But often it's hard for us. But don't worry, the Bible has an answer for you today. I want you to know that even the closest people to Jesus had a hard time believing that he was resurrected and standing right there in front of their very eyes. Mary Magdalene, for instance, encountered Jesus as she was at the empty tomb. She went, she saw the tomb was empty. She told some of the guys, they came, they saw. Mary Magdalene is lingering at the tomb, having a panic attack because she does not know what they've done with Jesus' body. And someone approaches her and begins to speak to her. But she, one of the closest followers of Jesus, did not even recognize him. In fact, the Bible says that she thought he was simply the gardener. Now, I don't know if you can compute this with me today, but oftentimes I feel like as a pastor, as a person who walks with Jesus, who loves Jesus, who follows Jesus, I, I, I work in, in his grace and I invite the Holy Spirit to help me live the life I've been called to. But there's sometimes I feel like I don't recognize Jesus. And it's the power of being resurrected that causes us to recognize who he is. Now, just stick with me for a few moments. Because there's a few more. It wasn't just Mary. It was many of the disciples. Thomas, who many have called Doubting Thomas because he said, I will not believe that he's resurrected unless I get to put my fingers into the holes in his hands. Well, one day Jesus walked into the room and Thomas got to do exactly that. Jesus said something amazing at that point. He said, you have seen and believed, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Hmm. Blessed are those who have not seen and still believe. It didn't stop at Thomas. There were many, many followers of Jesus who when he showed up after his resurrection, they were surprised. They would say things like, ah, it's a ghost. And Jesus would have to reassure them. Touch me, feel me, look at me, I'm here. Eat with me. The ghost doesn't have flesh and bones, does it? I mean, those were the conversations. Because even the people who walked with Jesus for those three years of his ministry, those people who stayed, even though they hid while he was being persecuted and crucified on the cross, even though they denied him in those moments, they were still the ones who followed him the most closely, the ones who probably knew him better than anyone else. But none of them could recognize the resurrected Lord. Now, this is profound to me because it unlocks a truth for us that can change the way we embrace who Jesus is. My favorite story in the Bible, possibly my favorite story, it's right up there close to the top if it's not the top. It's found in the book of Luke chapter 24. And many people would know this as the road to Emmaus. It says this, and I'm going to paraphrase for the sake of time. <clears throat> I have a chronic cough, not COVID-19, just so you know. It says, Behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself, 
Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. This is resurrected Jesus. He's traveling with two men on the road to Emmaus. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you're walking? And they stood still looking sad. One of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem that has not heard about the things that have happened? I find the irony here almost unbearable that Cleopas doesn't recognize Jesus and is literally asking Jesus, how can you not know what has gone on? I find it humorous. I think Jesus did too, by the way. And Jesus said to them, what things? (laughs) And I just love this about Jesus. (laughs) Terrible things have happened. What things? Tell me. And so they told him the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and rulers had gotten together and arranged for him to be killed, and they'd ultimately succeeded and crucified him. And then they say this in verse 20, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. We were hoping that this Jesus was the one that was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. But also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish men, slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in the scriptures. Now that would be the best church service ever, just for the record. To be walking down a road and have Jesus himself explain all of scripture to you. Hmm, that would be sweet. I would, in fact, I can't wait because I think heaven has got to be some of that. Verse 28, and they approached the village where they were going and he acted as though he were going further. But they urged him saying, stay with us for it is getting toward evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it. He began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened. Now pay attention to this very closely. He began to take the bread and give it to them. And then their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. And then he vanished from their sight. (laughs) They said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us as we walked along the road? Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found gathered there the eleven and those who were with them, saying, The Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. They begin to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of bread. Now listen, how he was recognized by them in the breaking of bread. This is so important. Verse 36, While they were telling these things, he himself, Jesus, stood in their midst and said to them, 
peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they were seeing a spirit. And Jesus said to them, why are you troubled? And why do you doubt arise in your, why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and see my feet. That it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and he showed them his feet. And while they could not, while, and, and they still could not believe it because of their joy and amazement. He said to them, have you anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and he ate it in front of them. The correlation between food and fellowship and knowing who Jesus is are unmistakable. It was after Jesus broke bread as the resurrected king of all. It's as he broke bread with them. What does this signify for you and I today? Have you ever understood or have you realized the importance of fellowship in our society? How important is a family meal together to get to know one another? When you meet someone at church or you find someone at work you like, one of the first things we want to do is what? We want to go out for coffee or we want to go out for lunch. Why? Because there's something about relationship that is developed as we break bread together. We have a saying here at Generations Church. We've actually built Generations Church on this ideology. Relationship is time over time. There's no other way to build a relationship with someone other than spending time with them for an amount of time. And you'll find that you like or don't like a person based on the amount of time you spend with them. It seems to me that so many people feel that they can't put faith in Jesus because they don't know him. But the irony of that situation is that unless you try to know him, you'll never know to put your faith in him. It's hard to put your faith in someone you don't know, but Jesus comes in the scripture and says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will have dinner with him. You see, God's relationship with us is not one that is meant to bend us or to break us, but it's one that's meant to conform us into the amazing image that he has always had in mind for you and for me. God's idea for that to happen is to come and fellowship with us, to coffee with us, to eat broiled fish together, to break bread together. So many times, I feel doubt in my life. When I have to immerse myself in the things in social media where you can read page after page after page of atheists saying, I don't believe in God. Anyone who believes in God is a fool. You know, you can't have an atheist without the theists. You can't have an atheist without God. Weird, right? Just, just so you're tracking with me. But I get... I get tired and I get beat down and I, I sometimes begin to feel my faith weakened. So what is it that allows me to keep going? What is it that allows me to press in? What is it allows me to know that my Savior, that my friend Jesus lives today in me and in the lives of millions, even billions of people on this planet? Well, it's time over time with him. It's breaking bread with Jesus. And I know I don't... 
I know, that, I know that we're not talking about a physical breaking of bread, but surely you can understand with me today that it's simply the picture of time over time. Time in his presence allows me to know him. And what allows me to know him allows me to have the assurance that my faith is well placed in who he is. I love that Jesus' own followers could not recognize him at first. Because for you, my friend, who doesn't understand right now how it is you should place your faith in Jesus, it's the same place we all have to start. And it's a wonderful place to get to start. Relationship will always equal time spent over time. And so my challenge for you on this Resurrection Sunday is to do something with your time and to do something with your faith. Take that measure of faith you have and use some time and put it into the person of Jesus and find out if you can get to know him. For those who walked most closely with him, they didn't know it was him until they spent time with him. How can you expect it to be different for you? Time with Jesus equals trust in Jesus. The action of faith is to believe and then the relationship with him begins to do the rest. What is a relationship with Jesus? Well, the relationship with Jesus is in fact and in simplicity resurrection life. And it's only the beginning. If nothing changed after Jesus rose from the dead, there would be no point for us to even be talking today. But from the moment that Jesus resurrected, something changed in humanity. People, for the first time, without needing to sacrifice, without needing to give everything, were able by his name, by relationship with him, have relationship again with their creator. The resurrection power in the name of Jesus is the start. It's the start of eternal life. But maybe even more importantly, it's the start of you becoming the person God has always dreamed you would be. There is resurrection power in the name of Jesus. I know it. I believe it. I've seen it. I know it's changed my life and the lives of countless others. But that really is only the beginning. I want to pray for you this morning. And if you would bow your head and close your eyes, you know, you might not have a relationship with God. And I just want to make it so simple for you today. The way we become a follower of Jesus is to bend our will to his will. And you're not going to understand that at least in whole right now. But it does start with our ability to say, Jesus, I surrender. And if you can just understand that first step, you will have the ability to enter into a relationship which is time over time so that you can know he's worthy of your trust and that your faith is well placed. As we pray, maybe that's you, and you just need to say those words today. Jesus, I bend my will to you. That's the start. And if you do that, we'd love to hear about it. You can email us at info at genchurch.ca because we'd love to put someone in contact with you to talk about some next steps. This whole Bible that we talk about, that we preach out of, is full of words of life. 
that help us understand the heart of God. As we talked about a couple weeks ago, Jesus is the exact representation of God's nature. To look at Jesus is to be able to look at God and know who he is in full. So as we pray today, would you just open your heart and ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do with what I've heard today? Now, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day of celebration where we across this world celebrate the resurrection life that you won at the cross. We thank you for the resurrection life that you have made available to every person who would choose to bend their will to you, to walk with you, to become your disciple. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would make it real and apparent for every person that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us, is who he says he is. And that in him is the fullness of joy, is life abundant, and joy forever. Lord, as we take this step today celebrating your victory over sin and death, I pray by the Holy Spirit that you would, that you would help us to remember time with you builds faith. That time in your presence builds our relationship with you. Jesus, we once again lift all of the issues that are facing us in our church family, in our extended families and friendships, Lord. And we know that all things hold together in you. And Lord, I pray that you would make that apparent to every soul, to every heart, to every man, woman, and child. Lord, let your presence fill our homes and even, your, even our streets and our blocks and our cities and our farms. On this Resurrection Sunday, Jesus, we want you to be glorified above every other name, above every other voice, because you alone are worthy of that position. We thank you for the cross. We thank you that you love us and that you have made a way for us. Amen. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.